the text for the message is just those few words of the angel concerning Jesus' connection to David. Luke 1, verse 32b to 33. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when we first read about David in the Scriptures, it appears that there is not very much special or unique about him. The youngest of eight boys with at least two sisters, David is described as being ruddy with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. However, when he was anointed by Samuel in the midst of his brothers, we read that the the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And it soon became clear that he had a very special place in God's plan. Although he took care of his father's sheep in Bethlehem, one young man in Saul's court told Saul, he knew, knew about David, he said that David was skillful in playing a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. And whether he was known as a man of valor and of war, before or after his encounter with Goliath, Jonathan, Saul's son, and the rest of the people, they recognized the hand of God in his life and honored him by indicating that he should be the next king. And in the midst of his triumphs in the service of David, we can see in, for example, 1 Samuel 18, that David remained very humble. He considered himself a poor man without reputation and not worthy of being the king's son-in-law. And although we can read often that Saul was trying to kill David. The Lord preserved David's life. And the day came when David was living and he was mourning the death of Jonathan and Saul. And the elders of Judah made David their king at the age of uh, 30. And seven and a half years later, the elders of Israel also asked him to be their king, where he remained for 33 years, reigning over both Judah and Israel as a united kingdom and dying at the age of 70. And so we see that David was a powerful king. He was a triumphant warrior, an inspired writer of the Psalms, a husband to many wives and a father to many children. And both before becoming king as well as during his reign, There was a lot of opposition to his anointing and attempts to take over his throne. And it was clear that only God's intervening hand would ensure that that promise he made would be fulfilled. And the story of David's life can be found many times in the Old Testament. You can find it in in the books of, of 2 Samuel 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and and in many of the Psalms. And so it makes us ask the question, why so much about David? Why did God consider it so important for us to know so many details about King David's life? Especially 
when we start comparing what God revealed about David with the lives of other kings. There are many other kings as well. And it all comes down to the important words that we read, the angel spoke to Mary in Luke 1, verses 30 to 33. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The announcement and this marvelous act of God stands in the center of the entire history of the world. That's why all that information about David culminating in Christ leads to what we know and experience today. I preach to you that gospel, Jesus' birth, fulfilled the promise of an eternal king. We'll see that Jesus received David's throne, and secondly, that Jesus reigns forever, the two emphases of the angel's words to Mary. The angel told Mary that God would give the throne of his father, David, to her son, Jesus. Now imagine if you're Mary hearing those exact words. And if Mary had not been taught anything about the history of her people, these would have been very confusing words. Perhaps the biggest shock for Mary was that she would get pregnant even though she was a virgin. How could God talk about her son's father as long as Mary was unmarried and the son in her womb wouldn't have an earthly father? Besides that, although it was true that Mary was betrothed, the man she was engaged to was named Joseph and not David. And then looking at the angel's words from the angle of the throne doesn't make it a lot clearer because Joseph was not a king. He didn't have a throne, nor was his grandfather nor was anyone in his entire family since, since the time of the exile, about half a millennium before. It's like talking about the last time there was a king in Joseph's line was like the time of the Reformation from today, if you want to balance the time, about 500 years. The only person on a throne in Mary's day was no relative of hers. It was the Roman Emperor Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian who accepted the titles Augustus, which means the grandiose one or the excellent one. And the other title he received from the, the Royal Senate was Pontifex Maximus, or the highest priest, the greatest priest. Now that man was on the throne, but was no relative of Mary's. And the circumstances then made it very clear that the angel was not speaking about an earthly throne or about anything that Mary could see in her life at that time. In order to understand the angel's words, Mary needed to turn to the ancient scrolls that had served as the foundation and the compass for her life as a member of the Israelite country, as a citizen of Israel. These ancient books contained promises and in those ancient books, she could find promises that mentioned a king named David. 
And since the expectation of Israel was focused on a Messiah being born in this David's line, it probably would not have taken Mary long to figure out that when the angel used the word father, he didn't mean Jesus' dad, but he meant an ancestor in her son's family that lived many years ago. And indeed, the David that the angel was referring to was the same one we were reintroduced to this this morning at the beginning of the sermon. That shepherd who became a king. As a person, David was quite ordinary. But what made David special was his place in God's plan of redemption for the world. Since the Lord decided to bring salvation to families through families, it is of utmost importance that David was descended from Adam and Eve in the line of the promises of salvation given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he was of the tribe of Judah, through whom the scepter of God's holy kingdom would be preserved. God appointed David, son of Jesse, from the town of Bethlehem in the tribal region of Judah and gave him his spirit to equip him with a humble love for God, even in his constant struggle with sins. And we we read these very important promises in 2 Samuel 7. We read them, but we can highlight them together when it speaks of 2 Samuel 7 verse 12 I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And then when it continues, it looks like in the first place that promise is talking about Solomon because it says when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod. But it explains further that through Solomon there will be a throne that will be established forever. You can see that in verse 16. In your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Then in verse 19 again, the Lord's, uh, in David's prayer, he says, you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind. And then again in verse 24 of 2 Samuel 7, and you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And as we see the fallout of these promises in the chapters that come after, we see that the kings that came after David were all judged faithful if they trusted God and did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And then the quotation that's repeated is, as their father David had done. And then because of God's grace and mercy, he explained to them that the the lamp of the kings in David's line was not snuffed out and their line was preserved in spite of their sin. And then he says many, many times again, for David's sake. He means for the, the sake of the promise once given to David. That promise we just read about is a, is a golden thread that held the kings of Judah together all the way until King Zedekiah, when the people of Judah were sent into exile for their persistent rebellion. And even after exile, 
the careful chronicles and the careful genealogies and family trees were, were kept up to ensure that it was always possible to trace David's line. For the faithful remnant believed God's promise that when, even when there was no Davidic king who to sit on it, David's throne would last forever. Although the throne had been empty for many years, we said that about 500 years, when the angel visited Mary, the people of God still believed that the rightful king, that one who would come from the line of David, would sit on the throne, and he was coming soon. Their faith was based on what was not being seen, God's promise and the promised coming kingdom, rather than on what was seen, that Roman occupation in a decaying moral world. Well, if Mary grew up with the Scriptures opened, she could have read all those texts concerning the promise of David that were, they would have all been swirling around in her head. She would have thought of the times she gathered in worship with, with her family and she sang the Psalms of David and the Psalms of, of Solomon that were such a part of her worship, such as Psalms 18 and 21 and 45, 75 and 144 that speak of the righteous kings that the Lord blessed. They were ultimately songs about the kingdom of David's promised offspring who would be David's Lord, as Jesus explained in Matthew 22 about Psalm 110. The people of Israel knew very well the Messiah was close to them. He was close to them in their worship. Mary would have known the songs that we continue to sing in church today when we know we're not just singing about David, we're singing about Jesus. She would have known Psalm 89, stanzas 3 to 4 and verse 36. I chose some verses of that psalm that we, we didn't sing. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. She would have thought of Psalm 132. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. Then I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him a crown will shine. Mary would have not only remembered the songs that she was singing as, as part of the body of, 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 of the people of God, but she would have also known the great prophets, the, the record of the preaching that the Lord sustained his people with. The old, the hope of God's people, Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government 
and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth forevermore. Isaiah 11 verses 1 to 2. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isaiah 16 verses 4 to 5. When the oppressor is no more and the destruction has ceased and he who tramples underfoot has vanished from the land then a throne will be established in steadfast love and on it will sit in faithfulness in the tent of David, one who judges and seeks justice and is swift to do righteousness. Mary would have remembered the prophet Jeremiah 23 verse 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king. And deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah 33, verse 17, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Mary would have also remembered how the prophets before the exile were announcing the king would come after the exile. Like the prophet Hosea who announced, for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. That's chapter 3. Amos, the same way, Amos 9, verse 11. In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen. And then Ezekiel again. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 8, again pointing forward to the time after the exile, the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. And Zechariah 13 verse 1, on that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. All the songs, all the prophets before the exile, after the exile, the people of Israel were waiting for the son of David. And then Mary receives a visit from an angel telling her that all those promises were connected to her. She would be the mother used by God to fulfill the promises spoken to Eve, to all the mothers after. Her child would be the one that was written about in the scroll, as we read in Psalm 40. 
The one who would receive the throne of his father, David. And we can understand why the Lord sent the angel Gabriel to bring the news, the most dramatic event in, in the history of the world, and why he called Mary the favored one of God. Mary was told that she would bear a son whom she could name Savior. She could name him Jesus. What a glorious message of joy for Mary to hear. What a wonderful blessing for the church of all ages to reflect on. As we also sang in that song of Zechariah, the Lord God of Israel has raised up. See that in the past, he has raised up a horn of salvation for the church, for the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. This son of the Most High was unlike any other king who had received the throne of David before him. Much greater than Solomon, much greater than Rehoboam and, and all those kings. Where we read also in our text, in the words of the angels, as God promised, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He reigns forever. And then we see that Jesus' birth is the hinge on which all history turns. It's the, it's the great turning point. And it stands between, the, between creation and, and God's saving work in all the Old Testament through His chosen line and the opening up of the future for God's church to all eternity. We read about that in Revelation. Connected to the one who has the key of David, opening the scroll, revealing the new history that stands before the church. The angel said he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. God's messenger uses those words, forever. There will be no end to emphasize the permanence of the kingdom over which Jesus Christ will reign. And clearly the angel was teaching Mary and the church about the heavenly kingdom of God, that is made visible wherever Jesus is recognized as that promised Son of David. Wherever the people of God continue to sing Psalm 89 and Psalm 132 and, and speak of their Savior as that promised Son of David. When he grew up and began his ministry, this is what our Lord Jesus proclaimed. Matthew 4, summing up his, his works as he was proclaiming the gospel of his kingdom. And Matthew's gospel account gives us a glimpse of what this kingdom looks like. After emphasizing Jesus' fulfillment of the promise given to David by showing that Jesus was a descendant of King David in the genealogy, Matthew goes on to show that Jesus' kingdom exists at the same time as other kingdoms. And so perhaps using the ancient records of their own seers, and the prophecy of Balaam in some ancient scrolls, some wise men appeared and they asked, who, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star and we have come to worship him. And their question then led the chief priests and the, and the 
and the scribes to, to recount the prophecy of Micah that Bethlehem was by no means least among the, the rulers of Judah. And then that promise again, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. After Jesus was baptized, he immediately displayed that he was that promised shepherd, ruler, and prince. That, and he described, he, he revealed his authority as king. When he stood up in the Sermon on the Mount and, and he authoritatively described what citizens of his heavenly kingdom look like in those blessed statements, the Beatitudes of Matthew 5. And he established that in his kingdom it would be God's law that ruled in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' authority and reign is recognized by all the people who met him while he was walking on earth. And Matthew tells us many times that when people saw him, they said, Have mercy on us, son of David. The crescendo song of Palm Sunday prepares the world for Jesus' ascension and coronation as eternal king. As the crowds, they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. And finally, Matthew shows us how Jesus confirmed his eternal rule when shortly before his ascension, he announced to his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. And then he went up to his throne. Jesus acted like the king of his eternal kingdom. He was recognized as the king of this eternal kingdom. He announced his sovereign kingship right unto the day he was lifted up to heaven to take his seat on the heavenly throne that God had promised. And so Acts 1 goes on to teach us that the royal son of David continued his reign from heaven through the apostles that he sent out into the world as his image bearers. The apostles were aware that they were heralds of the great son of David. The one who was reigning forever on David's throne. They even announced that in their preaching, Acts 13 verse 23. They said, Jesus is the promised offspring of David who would save sinners from the wrath of God. And then recognizing this connection, the apostles explained that the Old Testament prophecies mentioning David were prophecies about the work of Jesus Christ in the world. In the prophecy of Amos that we, we even looked at, Amos 9 verse 11, God had promised the rebuilding, rebuilding of David's fallen booth, his, his fallen tent, so that the remnant of mankind might seek the Lord. When the apostles explained, they said that that is a... a Proclamation, a prophecy of the work of Jesus who would bring in the Gentiles coming and seeking the Lord. This work of King Jesus Christ from heaven that was begun by the apostles as described in the book of Acts, it did not come to an end when the work or when the apostles died. As the angel said to Mary, Jesus is reigning forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Today also when we bow before our Savior in worship, we are worshiping the de promised descendant of David who continues to reign on David's throne. And so in his instruction for the church, 
The Holy Spirit says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, He urges the church, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Remember this offspring of David. Do you know this eternal king? Do you remember him? Seeing him sitting on his his throne, even as you're carrying out your daily tasks. You see yourselves and understand yourselves to be subjects and followers of this king and his kingdom. Our Savior born on Christmas Day is the offspring of David. Sitting on the throne of his father David, Jesus is the perfect eternal king. And then Colossians takes hold of this theme and emphasizes for the church that he is before all things and in him all things hold together that in everything he might be preeminent. He strengthens all who have been delivered from the domain of darkness. It says in Colossians 1 verse 11 and 13 and he transfers them to the kingdom with all power according to his glorious might. Just think about what that means for you today who follow this king. Think about the promises that are given to you. Are you discouraged? Are you tempted? Are you overwhelmed? Are you anxious? Are you uncertain about the future? Jesus is the promised Davidic shepherd who loves us. The branch in David's line who rules the earth with justice and righteousness. The one who holds the key of David with authority to open and close the kingdom. And the conquering root of David who can open the scroll and its seven seals, bringing forth the consummation of all times when his kingdom will be all in all. We can be certain that although the war may be difficult, our victory is certain. We can look forward to the future without a doubt that all things will be well. And we see Christmas is not about the birth of just another child who lived life a long time ago. It's about the birth of an amazing king who continues to rule from heaven. The Son of God incarnate who emptied himself to save the citizens of his kingdom, to save you who believe in him, a king that we continue to worship today. Amen.